Hello, I'm Chris, host of Business Over Brews. Thank you for listening to our first ever podcast. Today, I welcome Lauren Mead, the VP of Marketing at HQL, to the channel. In this episode, Lauren will speak about her journey starting in event coordination and climbing all the way up to the C-suite. And Lauren will discuss what it's like to find leadership roles in the middle of a pandemic. Also, if you haven't yet, I encourage you to subscribe and give us a rating. Every little bit helps this channel. Let's get going. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining our very first episode of Business Over Brews. And I'm really excited, not just because it's the first episode, but because I feel like there's a very special guest on. She is the VP of Marketing at HQO. Her name is Lauren Mead. We worked together for about three and a half years. And honestly, I can say that the reason why I'm here today producing this episode is because of her. If it wasn't for her and us putting together unmissed connections before, there's no way I would have the experience to get something like this together in a remote scenario. Lauren, thank you so much for joining today on our first episode. Thanks for having me. It's great to get the band back together. I know. I hope that we get to have a couple more episodes like this. So we're going to be talking about a few topics. But first, what I've always wanted to know, I mean, you're you're a marketing executive, you're a VP of marketing, you're very young. And it's just, I'd love to hear the story of how you built your career to become a marketing thought leader, a marketing executive. But before we get into that, we have to talk about what we're drinking. Because I know for my first episode, the first beer I first started legally drinking because my birthday's in October was Sam Oktoberfest. So <laughs> I have to start this channel off with the Oktoberfest. So what did you bring on today? So I have been drinking more coffee than beer these days. However, oh. we're filming at 830 at night, so there will be no coffee for me right now. So I went <laughs> with a night shift, Vic Secret. Not um, bad. This is the first time I've had this. My husband is a beer connoisseur in the house, so he does like the selecting and I do the drinking awesome. and it's really good. I already cracked so, into it. Thumbs up. You'd, you'd buy more of them. Would recommend. <laughs> what percentage alcohol are those? I think these ones are a little light. These are 5.3, so not bad. Reasonable. Mm, let me see what I got here. This is 6%, so I may be a little feeling it by the end. We might curse that one out through the entirety of the episode. <laughs> we'll see how it kind of goes. Yeah. But again, you know, I wanted to bring you on. The first thing I want to ask you is... You know, again, you've had a phenomenal career, and it's really just even in the beginning of this, you know, and I'd love to ask how it all started. I mean, I would assume that six-year-old Lauren didn't turn around and say, I want to be a marketing professional, a marketing executive. When I was five or six, I wanted to be a truck for all I knew. So at what point did you really start to figure out, you know, marketing and becoming this leader is something you wanted to strive for? You know, like you said, I wish I could say it was like within the grand plan, but I think I kind of, in a way, stumbled upon it. I knew, I guess, starting out, like I did go into my undergrad and I like declared a marketing major early on. So I knew I wanted to do marketing. I would say at that point in my career, though, like I didn't even know what marketing was really. Like I, I wanted to be an event planner and I knew like the corporate side of events and that, that really resided under marketing. And I was interested in something that kind of took the creative element of business. So that I think was what attracted me to marketing. But the more I learned and the more opportunities I got within it, I just learned so much more that I liked about it. Um, 
you know, I, I've said this before, but I think if you had told me I would like work in technology, I probably would have laughed at you. Like I never really considered myself like a tech savvy person, but yeah. you know, I have spent my entire career in tech marketing and I love it. I love this space. I think it's so fast moving and I love, you know, I've always chosen to work at companies that um, provide business applications that help people as well. So like not super techie products, um, but it really helps you like apply technology to like human elements and human problems within the world, which I really liked Um, in terms (laughs) of how I got into leadership position. You know, like I said, I think there's, you know, it was just like as my career evolved, I had the, you know, great fortune to work at some fast growing companies. And as the company grew, I was able to take on more and more responsibility, build teams, try out all different areas within marketing. And, and I think that attitude and just saying like, yes, <laughs> to when things got thrown on my plate is, is really kind of what got me here today. <laughs> Sure. And it's funny because, you know, not a lot of people confuse, you know, growing into the top level of the marketing leadership as the the ladder to success directly. I mean, there's plenty of people that like to focus on, you know, specific niches if they're in digital specifically, like you said, you were starting out in um, in event planning and coordination. You know, there there's a lot of lucrative and successful ways to build a successful career just on a facet or a certain branch of marketing. But like you said, at some point, there was a point where you just pivoted and you knew you were ready to move into, or I mean, theoretically, I feel like almost no one knows they're ready to move. Just like becoming a parent, you don't know you're ready to be a parent. You think you are, and it just happens. Was there a point where you just said, I'm ready for this and I'm moving forward? Or like you said, as these companies grew, was it they had a need, you stepped forward, even though it was scary at times and just delivered? Or did you know right then and there, this is what I was meant to do? No, I think it kind of like snuck up on me a little bit, right? So like I started out doing a lot in events and then they would like throw on like webinars or other lead gen type of things. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, how about you take on the BDR team too? And then, you know, I expressed, I really like marketing automation and the measurement side of things. So there was like times where I was like, hey, maybe we should like look into new systems. And I all of a sudden I own that. So it slowly like evolved. I think there was definitely points where I was like, wow, I own the website. I have no idea what I'm doing, but you know, I think just like learning, being curious, like, you know, leveraging different resources and experts in my area, I was able to kind of learn and, and, you know, leverage people smarter than myself in those particular areas to, to help make sure we're doing the best we can. So it's just about asking smart questions and, and using smart people to make sure we are covering all our areas. Sure. Now, I, a kind of off-topic question, I'm still on the realm though, but there's there's a huge step, not only in when you own a lot of responsibilities when it comes to the different departments of the organization, but the change happens very drastically when you start managing and you are responsible for people's promotions, demotions, and salaries. And I know that that step has to be absolutely massive. So when taking that step, what were kind of your reservations? Were you excited about it? Do you Did you feel more like a people person that worked well with folks? Or were you a lot more effective as an individual contributor that then found that you had to grow this skill of people management? 
Um, I think I definitely had to grow the skill a little bit. I think myself, like what you see, like a lot of first time managers, like the act, learning the act of delegation is something that doesn't necessarily come naturally and like finding that balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's hard. Like you, you've, especially as a new manager, you don't want to like put too much on other people and you want to like be helping out. But at the same time, you can't be successful. Your team can't be successful if you're taking on too much. So I think that was like a huge learning, um, you know, curve for me coming up. And I think it's something, you know, I still struggle with all the time. You want to like provide the right balance of like, how do you help out? And especially working at a lot of small companies, you have to kind of be a hands-on leader and jump in where yeah. needed. So like knowing the right time to do that and when not to do that, because you're going to be a micromanager in people or, or not let them kind of own their space. Yeah. Um, I think that was a big curve. Um, I think like I'm a pretty direct communicator. So like I, I, I would like, agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For me, like I have to almost like, even though I, thinking in my head, like, wow, that person did a great job or whatever. I'm like already on to the next thing. So for me, sometimes it's like a conscious effort where I have to be like, wow, like great job on this or provide positive feedback. Cause to me, it's like, you haven't heard from me, but it means it's good, but that's not how I feel like a lot of people learn. So I think I've also learned a lot to, you know, and again, I'm still developing this all the time as like most people are, I was like, learn, the different styles of the people on your team and how you can best support them and in their individual growth and the communication styles that they need to be successful with their manager. <laughs> no, it's, that is, that's one of the, I feel like that's, that's the one part where you'll see a lot of companies will promote someone who is being successful and they move from that individual contributor role, which they're very good at into something that involves that plus managing direct reports. And there's such a different skill set you need in somebody that can one, manage expectations, be friendly, still be direct and still get results while driving that team and maintaining your own deliverables that you're responsible for. Um, It's a balance that I hope at one point I'll figure out, but it's something that I will say working under you has been absolutely fantastic, but we can always leave that to the next question. But what I did want to move on to next is Everyone hits setbacks when they're going through their careers, whether they move to a job they shouldn't have, whether, you know, things personally come up where it kind of puts your career on pause, you personally feel like you're stuck. Even people that seem to not be rooting or fighting for you, again, being your age, being a woman, a lot of folks in these fields, even my wife being as young as she is, being a vice principal at a school, hearing the story she's experienced just because of people that have been in their position for so long and don't expect to hear something from someone so young or are certainly set in their ways. It causes a lot of frustration. It causes these setbacks and it causes a lot of self-doubt in the person themselves, which triggers even imposter syndrome. Um, what kind of things have you run in? If you're willing to share, what kind of things have you run into? And what would you recommend to folks that are watching this now coming out of school, expecting what they're going to hear and how they might want to overcome things like that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the common thing, right, like you hear about, like, women stereotypically, and I I feel about myself as I feel like they tend to, like, underestimate themselves. Like, I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but they say, like, a man reads a job description, and if they can do, like, 20% of the job, they they think they're qualified. And if a woman reads and they can't do 80%, they say they're unqualified. So I, I think you always, like, doubt yourself in going into new situations and taking on more responsibility and say, like, can I do this? Like, you're obviously unsure. You don't want to take a leap that you know might not be successful. So it's hard. Um, I mean, I think, and I think when I've looked at, you know, different roles, it's, it's, it can be hard to like sell yourself to get to that next step. I feel like so often when you're interviewing for a potential job, like they want someone who's been there and done that. And I think it can be, frustrating when you're trying to take that next step if you don't have that experience but you know you're kind of ready to take that move I think I've seen that you know I just did you know a job change fairly recently and and really trying to find that right balance of like taking the next challenge but you know not getting out over your skis and positioning yourself I think that that can be really hard I know so that's you know it happened to me actually at a previous job I was up for a promotion I had to interview for the position internally against the executive team I had me do a presentation to the executives about you know what I would do within that role and I ultimately didn't get the position I decided to stay with the company and and I actually was able to grow my experience and and learn under a new leader which eventually I think was a great opportunity for me but you know I think a lot of people in that position will be like wow like I didn't get the job I'm out of here um and you know I think one of the things that's helped me be successful in my role is like I've really committed to a lot of the positions in the companies I've been in I think there's certainly a time and a place where like there's a benefit to changing roles and that can help you get to the next level sometimes you cap out at a current company and, or they have trouble seeing you take that next position, even if you are ultimately ready. So I think no, you know, knowing yourself and really trying to weigh the, the benefits can ultimately be very beneficial. I'm glad I stuck around for a while because I did learn a lot. And then ultimately I did move on and it just helped me better prepare me to take that next jump in my career. Nice. I I don't know if I could imagine actually interviewing for another role at the company I work at. And I know it's a common thing to have happen. It's just, it's going to be weird to sit down with the people you know and explain something that you are, you know, it just, it just seems like a strange process to go through because you're supposed to be talking to them like you are brand new applying for the job. But, um, the last question I was going to ask on the topic, and we sort of touched on it about what you'd recommend folks to do, but you know, someone looking to get into marketing, granted, a lot of people don't even realize they're looking to get into marketing. Some folks just go to get their undergrad and they focus on business because business has such a wide spectrum versus something that's a little focused. Um, Someone who's looking to become, you know, a marketing leader, what would you recommend for a path for them to take? Do they go a creative role? Do they go an analytical role? Um, You know, what would you recommend would be the best steps for them to actually start pursuing that career? It's actually great that I think you see now in marketing that marketing leaders have come from like so many different disciplines within marketing that I think you don't necessarily have to 
choose one path to ultimately get you to that leadership or more generalist type of role. Like I know peers that have come from more of like a creative angle owning like brand. I know people that have come from product marketing and really knowing the products and product led growth. I know people like I came through the demand gen side of things. So like I know more like growth and, and data and operations it's like really kind of where I came up in marketing, but I don't think there's like one right way. Um, I, you know, as I touched on before, I think try to learn as much of the different areas as you can say yes to new responsibilities. Cause ultimately, even if you don't haven't done everything, the more familiar you are with every different area, you're ultimately going to have to manage that and, and help give direction to those people and then when you get to the, you know, that position, hire strong in the places that you're weak, right? Don't yes. be um, hesitant or fearful of hiring people that are better at something than you because ultimately it's the team that you build that's going to, you know, make you successful. So sure. um, just know your strengths, know your weaknesses and, and build a team that complements that. Nope, it's a great point. Although I'd have to say, I guess, if there was one career path I'd suggest not going in, it would be finance. They just don't make great marketers. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> I, I, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I, that's a poor form joke. I, <laughs> but it, Lauren, this has been absolutely fantastic. And I'd love to take a quick break before we get into our second part, which is, like you mentioned before, you moved into a new role in the middle of COVID. It's a, There's a ton of people out there, myself included, that are that have had to look for new work. It's been absolutely insane. So when we come back, we're going to talk about what it's like looking for leadership roles and marketing in the middle of a pandemic. This episode is sponsored by me. I sponsored this episode because I paid for everything. I paid for that lamp. I paid for that camera. I paid for that tripod. I paid for this fill light. I paid for this laptop. I paid for this microphone. You know, I might have actually stolen the microphone. Every penny I save goes into this channel. All right, why is every light on in this house? We're not made of money here, people. So please help me out and subscribe to the channel. 71, not a chance. Look, every facet of this channel is financed through my own pocket. So every subscribe, like, and comment I personally appreciate. And I will reply to it. So please subscribe and help me out. Appreciate it. Listen, people, we are not made of money. If you are cold, put on a sweater. Hello and welcome back to our second part of Business Over Brews here with Lauren Mead, VP of Marketing at HQL. Lauren is a marketing thought leader. You've been an executive for, geez, got to be what, four, five, six years now you've been working as a in a leadership role in marketing, if not longer. And one thing that the two of us have had in common as we looked into the pandemic, as the pandemic started, we found ourselves looking for work. Personally, I got let go, as I've said in my other videos, April 1st of all days, April Fool's Day, hey, by the way, you're out of a job. And it was just an absolute shock. And so, Lauren, being a marketing executive, being a marketing leader, you find out you're out of a job. What's the first thing you do? It's, it's a tough market as it is already. You're in a very competitive and coveted role. What's, what's the first thing that pops through your head? What do you do day one? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a fun place to be, right? I think I had 
the privilege, I think I had a little bit of a foresight going into it, right? So my transition out of time trade, the company was like acquired. We were acquired right as everyone was transitioning into remote work. So it was a bit of a cluster of a whole bunch of things going on. I think as an executive in a technology company, you know when a company is acquired, especially as private equity, you know, your job is on the line and, and there's probably going to be changes being made. So I can't say it came as a complete shock to me. At the same time, it's like it never feels good to leave something that if you poured your heart and soul into for so long and like the group of people that, you know, you've really identified and what you've like done as a habit for like four years, right? It doesn't feel good. So I think there's like definitely a range of emotions. I think for me going leading up to that time, it was really challenging, right? Like I'm a full-time working mom. My husband works full-time. Our kids were home. We had, it was, we are very lucky. We have a lot of family help, but it was still like a mess trying to juggle, <laughs> you know, as so many marketers are going through right now. Like we basically had, took our entire marketing plan and like threw it in the trash and had to repivot and like redo all of our plans. So Jeez. ton of work going on around that. A ton of work going on around, you know, working with our new ownership and positioning and working and communicating with customers about the change of ownership. So, you know, I was like working crazy hours, trying to balance home. So part of me was like, wow, take a deep breath. It was a good timing <laughs> for like our family because I don't know how much <laughs> longer I would have lasted in that situation. But sure. yeah, I mean, ultimately it sucks to feel like, you know, you're moving on and, and something that you've, you know, put so much into for such a long time is coming to an end. It's like really mixed feelings. Yeah. I, I remember texting you all while we were working from home and I was still employed, just trying to keep the kids busy. What were we sending? It was the, uh, the Pokemon, uh, yoga video on YouTube. We were sending back to yeah. get the kids to like, here you go, go do this, get some exercise in while we're both trying to work and get into meetings. Um, it's, that whole process was ex- insane. Never mind being in a pandemic, then finding out you're out of work. It's such a whirlwind. Um, and you know what? I know we just jumped right back into this, but I'm going to, because who knows who's watching this if they're coming into part two, but this is business over brews and I need to top this off here. And so again, like I mentioned before, I am sitting with a nice Oktoberfest because the first beers I was able to legally drink with my birthday being in October. Always been a personal favorite. Do you mind introducing what it is you're drinking again? Are you on to beer too? Or I think it was a pretty heavy hit or you might want, I don't know if you're coasting that through the entire episode here. I'm a little bit of a lightweight. As I mentioned earlier, I've been more into the coffee brews yep. than the beer brews lately. So I stole one of my husband's night shifts at the fridge. Would highly right. recommend though. I love beer. <laughs> I don't drink it enough, honestly. That's well, that's one thing I learned with the pandemic. I've found a brand new love for alcohol. Isn't that that's how it works, though, right? Isn't it? Catastrophe hits and you drink the pain away. Don't follow that advice. That is not advice I want to give on this channel. Um, I hit it strong and now I'm like over it and I don't drink anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. First month, March, April was tough, and then that's it. Now it's all back out to working, back out to eating healthy, all this stuff. 
but uh <laughs> which is good it's good to, it's good to work to be a better self but back yeah. to finding work in the middle of a pandemic so you have this idea you 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 have this feeling there's a there's a a purchase coming you can get this feeling that things are going to change and you might not be on the boat going forward how do you prepare for that exit um a lot of times people for example my layoff came very surprised i was very surprised i was told that morning uh and i had insurance until that evening and that was it <laughs> you know with with the opportunity i've always i've always looked at making sure you're prepared just in case things happen but what was your exit like? What was the first thing you figured to do? How do you prepare your legacy that you've made there in a way that you can show and and sell to other future employers? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I would su- highly suggest something I've tried to do along and I don't know if I've done as good as I would like to say I have, but do not wait till you are in that position to build your resume and your portfolio and that legacy. Right. Um, I try to suggest and I do this and not as much as I would like, but like keep a Google doc with like your accomplishments and comments from your supervisors and documents of things that you have created that you're really proud of. Like, you know, I've, I've um, been lucky to take some really long runs in my career. I spent seven years at like software and four years at time period. So my resume went some really long periods before it was updated. And when you go that long when not without updating your resume, it's like really painful to try and recap seven oh, years, yeah. four years, right? So yep. don't wait because you're not going to remember some of the cool things that you did. And when you find yourself like instantly out of a job, you just don't have access to all the things that you need to like effectively tell that story. So yeah. I highly recommend like creating a Google Doc where you can just throw that stuff in there. Um, you know, like the Google Drive where you can save all whatever you want to use, like not plugging Google here, but wherever you want to save sure. some of the work that you're proud of. Because um, even if you're not updating your resume on a regular basis, it's going to make your life a hell of a lot easier when you're in that situation. No, of course. I mean, I remember when, you know, with, with when we were working at Time Trade, I developed that uh, a site, an internal site, Sales Center was an internal wiki just for the sales team to get product information, sales training, any competitive analysis. Um, and that's something that I can't take. It's an internal website. It's a whole website. There's something you can't take, but I do remember at least capturing screenshots of that. So I can use it as an example and keep in mind to your point, you can't, you're not, you're not, and you can't take, you know, proprietary information. You can't take, you know, company knowledge that you're looking to, to, exploit or share with other folks. It's just showcasing the work that you had done. Um, but you've got to get creative on the way to pull those portfolio items out that you can't just take clean copies of and walk away with. Um, and so, like you said, I mean, updating their resume. Marketers, yeah. A lot of what we do is public facing, right? So some of those like data sheets yeah. and collateral, like you can take that and, and you can be proud of like what we've, what we've sent out. So I would say that's benefit to being in marketing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to finance. Again, sorry, Sean, exactly. I apologize. <laughs> but so, all right, you've, you've, you either anticipate or you've prepared. The thing is, if you haven't prepared, 
the best recommendation I can give you is to try and scour either the website or any place you have published assets that are publicly available if you can't get to your computer anymore, if your computer's been locked remotely. And again, it's not about trying to do something malicious. It's just making sure that you keep a copy of the assets that you've created that you can use in your portfolio going forward. Um, but so you're out of work, you've consolidated some items. What do you do for your approach? Are you are you panicked? Are you trying, you know, not to say you're panicked, but do you just try and find and land an opportunity as fast as possible? Are you, you know, with the shotgun approach, are you trying to be very targeted moving forward into these opportunities? And, and again, keep in mind, these these opportunities are, again, very highly coveted. There's a lot of people out of work, so you're going up against a lot of other people. What was the approach like for you to find the next gig for you? So I think, like, obviously you have to do what's right for you in your financial situation. But, you know, for me, I, I had the privilege of, like I said, you know, we were kind of in pandemic, right? My kids are home. Like, we're not paying for daycare and so many other things. Like, first thing I did was, like, take a breath, right? I've been working a long time without like a real break. And for me, taking that breath was like really important. Something that mm. I personally needed to like recharge and going in fresh. Now, when I dreamed of my time off taking this breath, I was home without kids and was checking a million things off my personal to-do list, <laughs> running sure, yeah. a marathon and everything else that everyone dreamed that they were going to become in quarantine. In reality, I got to spend some amazing time with my two children and um, I had to learn to give myself some grace on like how not to accomplish anything in a day and actually maybe go backwards in terms of like my house looking like a bomb went off. So I feel like it was, yeah. you know, very like developmentally interesting time for me. So, you know, first thing I did was yeah. kind of like take that breath and really think about what I wanted to do because I think you kind of need that clarity. That being sure. said, I would say I probably didn't have like full clarity by the time I started getting out there and interviewing. And for me, finding that clarity was like getting out there and talking to companies and learning about positions and kind of identifying through that process, like what I did and did not want. Right. I talked to some <laughs> companies where it was like very clear to me, like, this is not a good fit. That's like not where I see myself and other companies are like, wow, I feel like, really feel like I could make an impact here. Um, so, you know, for me, I kind of went through that as, as I was interviewing at different companies and starting to like fine tune what really felt right. Um, I would say if you have the opportunity, like do not jump into something like really be choosy about what you want. Yeah. So, I've like transitioned out of companies twice now without like my next role lined up right after. And I will tell you while it was super scary in both of those times, I ended up in a much better place than I was each of those times. So sometimes, you know, a tough situation ends up in a blessing. And I think also sure. right now, people that are searching for jobs, like, give yourself a little leeway, right? We're in a pandemic. I would say like I had that panic moment for a little while. I was like, wow, it's been three yep. months and I don't have another job in like a normal job market. I would look at some of those resumes and ask some questions, but we're not in a normal job market and 
you know, if, especially, you know, if you're taking some time to spend with your family and, and do what's necessary because so many of us are in like difficult situations at school and daycare and all these things, like don't stress it because these are not normal times. Um, <laughs> it's true. So I would say if you have the opportunity, like be a little bit choosy and really look for the right fit for you. Nice. And so that's when I first got let go, I will say I was, I took a shotgun approach. <clears throat> I panicked. I was the insurance carrier. We're expecting a kid in a, in less than three weeks. So once things settled down, that's when I finally took the breath like you had taken and focused my approach on what I was going to apply for. Um, now I'd love to know from you, you know, going through the interview process, do you have any recommendations? How do you put your best foot forward? How do you stand out when interviewing? Everyone's interviewing remotely now. Um, is it all about making sure that the camera has great lighting, that the background isn't distracting? Um, what would you recommend to do to someone now looking for work, especially if they have to do all these applications virtually and interviews virtually? So I guess I don't know if I'm an expert in this area as I've like actually never really interviewed necessarily remotely. I did get the job, I guess, but you know, being, usually I give my advice as a hiring manager and I haven't actually been a hiring manager yet in this situation. Um, but I would say maybe some tips on like how to get the interview. I think like a lot of people I did as well, like you first, like, are at work and you like panic and you start applying online for just like a million jobs. Right. I would say of all the interviews that I did and the companies I talked to, maybe like two came from online applications. The majority of those I felt like went in a black hole. So for me, (laughs) the most successful tactics to getting in the door and actually getting that interview was like leveraging personal connections, reaching out on LinkedIn to mutual connections to make those referrals. Um, I'm a member of several like different networking groups, um, Revenue Collective being one that I would highly recommend, um, which is like a a paid membership group. But having those connections, I felt like was like absolutely, especially at the executive level, the best way in and, and the interviews that I felt the jobs that I felt like were best matched to me and, and, you know, ultimately leaded to me landing a role. I think back to your original question, interviewing remotely is like really weird. I think I just saw something <laughs> online, like, what do you wear to a remote interview? Like, do you wear a suit in your house? Like it's so awkward, right? <laughs> I like, know. What do you wear? Like <laughs> Suit jacket, and, sweatpants, right? That's how you do it. Yeah. It's like, how and especially in like tech now, I feel like I guess you don't really necessarily even wear a full suit generally anyway. So yeah. I mean, go. I would say try and keep the level of professionalism that you would in in the office. You know, dress business, look presentable. You know, try. I think everyone's understanding that people are in different circumstances and like have different environments that they're in, but. You need to be yeah. in an undistracted environment, um, quiet, and, and really try and make sure that you can really dedicate and focus your time to the person you're talking to, because if you're in a place of distractions, it's just not going to work. I've, uh, I've had a couple of interviews. I'd say out of all the interviews I've had, of which 
applying to jobs from April up until August. I didn't hear back from anybody. It was dead. As soon as August hit, I was flooded with interviews. But I'd have to say, half of those interviews, I had to actually bring my, because I'm at home alone watching my son. I had to bring my son into those interviews, whether he woke up during the interview, if I tried to get him down, or if he wouldn't cooperate. Uh, but I'll be honest, every interview I've been in that I had to bring him into, they were very, very understanding and respectful. And um, But it is so distracting, to your point, you know, to have to have, to, to try and do all of those things at once, especially if you're home alone. Um but so my son has been make just like he makes in this channel. He's been making appearances for my job interview. So I'd say he helps, but I haven't been hired yet. <laughs> so, At the no, same thank time, you. I feel like it's like good going into that with like full transparency. Like a company that's like understanding of that through the interview process is going to be understand more understanding of what you're going through personally, like sure. in the work life balance. So. You know, it is good to go into it with like full transparency, but. Sure. <clears throat> so one of the questions I wanted to ask, and it's, you sort of answered it, but I don't know if you can, you can answer it for yourself. You can't, it's hard to answer as advice for other people, but it's how do you choose the right opportunity? And that's a question that can be asked whether it's a pandemic or not. Um, but for you, what were you looking for to make sure you had the right opportunity? And what do you recommend others look for? to make sure that they're finding the right opportunity for them? So for me, I look for like three major things. Um, one, is this like a product that I'm excited about and that I think is going to be successful, right? Like if I am looking at it and it's like just not something that like gets me excited and I can't understand who's going to buy it or why they would want to buy it, like as a marketer, you like need to drink the Kool-Aid, right? You need sure. to like get up and believe in it and love it. So, you know, make sure it's something you're excited about and passionate about to really like get a good feel of the people. Um, yeah. In some of the most, like my favorite roles, I've gotten the opportunity not just to like interview with like who would be my bosses and the people above me, but also getting an opportunity to meet the team that, you know, would ultimately work for me and be a part of like my success for me, that gave me like a really good feel of the culture and was something like, these are the people you are in the trenches with and you are going to have to spend probably more time with than you do with your actual family. So you want to <laughs> feel like you like these people and they're people that you can like enjoy spending time with sure. all a bit right now, like via zoom. <laughs> and then I would say that, the third thing is like, I look for a job that I think will challenge me yet. Mm -hmm. I know I can be successful. Right. So like for me, it's like finding something that's a bit of a stretch, something of a new challenge yet. Yeah. I still feel like it's in my wheelhouse and I can bring value to, right. Like if I feel like a company is like totally hitting it out of the park and like all the areas I know I can bring value, like, how much success am I going to have at that organization? How much of value can I bring to that role? You know, you don't want to go into a company that's like totally perfect. You want to like also identify weaknesses and identify areas that you can bring value. Um, Cause mm -hmm. it's ultimately going to make you successful and, and help you provide value and, and challenge you. So those are kind of the three major things that, that I tend to look for in a new role that 
have really worked out well for me. It, it's funny. It makes me think like, uh, not, not to bring the office into this, but to, to find a position that, or a job for a company that you're interested in, like how do people work for paper companies or how do people work for automotive oil companies? Like, I feel like they have to be the most boring job. Like it's, I, I, you know, I can't, I, dig I digress. I can't get into that. So a couple of great pointers on choosing the right opportunity. Again, it is something that each individual needs to find something that they're passionate about to see if it is the right opportunity for them. You can't just say what's the right opportunity for a global base. But next, you found the right opportunity. You decided to, to join the company. And now what's it like to onboard remotely? What's it like to onboard where you don't physically meet people? You're just all on Zoom. Honestly, it was a lot better than I thought I would be. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, Good. I think one thing that helps, and I've had advice from like previous mentors before too, is like it's really hard to join a company when you're the only remote person, when everyone is remote. You know, yep. you're kind of all in the same boat. At HQ, we kind of have a camera always on policy. So, nice. you know, it's pretty surprising how you just kind of like, feel, it feels like you really get to know people. We actually had the opportunity to meet as a team last week. So I'm like a month and a half in and it was the first time I actually got to meet my, my team face to face. And it was really <laughs> interesting to see. We went out for like a socially distanced drink after work. And nice. I think like 50% of my team started during the pandemic. So they actually have not met face to face yet. Wow. Like the, you know, joking and like you can see how people have like gotten to know one another. It, it's pretty amazing how people have pulled through. And, you know, I would say the company has been great in terms of like having resources and like we're using like all Google stuff. So it's so awesome for collaboration and just like yeah. using like live and Google Hangouts is automatically thrown into every single one of our meetings. So the camera just turns on and, and you just kind of get used to it. Um, you know, you can't replicate the office environment and getting together. And I, you know, yeah. I look forward to that, getting back to that for sure. But um, I would say onboarding remotely has been much better than I anticipated. <laughs> That's awesome. And so again, you, you've just started this position. Onboarding remotely is difficult enough. What is your first 90 days looking like? I mean, First, of course, you need to try and build those relationships that you'd expect to have as a manager to your employees and then the relationships you have across different departments for the people that you're delivering uh, to. But what is it like for the first, what's your goals for the first 90? So I think coming in, like one of the things I've learned is like you really need to kind of like take some time before you like jump in and start making changes to really like assess and figure out what's going on both procedurally what the team is focusing on what does the company need what are the skills of your team and people so it's hard to do when you want to like come in and like make an impact out of the gate but I think I recommend yeah. like taking a breath and like learning as much as you can going in there because it's just gonna like give you more credibility with your team, help them buy in with, you know, how you're moving forward and making decisions because you're not just like jumping in and pretending you know better than them. You don't, right? They've been there. They've been living it. You can't, yeah. you know, even if you're the smartest person, there's reason things have been done 
the way they've been done for so long doesn't mean they're the right reasons and it's the right thing to keep forever. But you need to understand that and, and kind of understand more about the team that you're working with and, and what's happened there. So I think really learning as much as you can going into it um, and, and building rapport with your team is the most important thing. And, you know, cross-functioning your peers, your boss, everyone. Um, and then start to come in and, and work with your team to like make the changes that you see important and, and get to that next step. <laughs> Lauren, I, I can't thank you enough for being my first guest. I can't thank you enough for enabling me to be able to produce this from the comfort of my own home. Thank you so much for joining our first episode of Business Over Brews. It was absolutely fantastic to talk to you. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. And if, if you haven't subscribed yet, cheers. You better be subscribing and you better like the video or I'm going to find you. I won't. It's a pandemic. I won't come to your house. Thank you so much for watching. <laughs> cheers, guys. <laughs>